Welcome to Living Your Best Life. I'm your host, Rebecca Miller, and today I'm joined with one of our one of my favourite people, Jolie Thompson. You've probably seen Jolie Thompson running around the football field. He's the powerful second rower and centre for Manly Sea Eagles. And um, I have to say this transformation that I've seen in this human being is one that is so inspiring to see him not as uh, not just uh, evolve as a professional athlete, but as a father a husband, and now his project, the Mindset Project, his contribution off the field is one that I can't share, can't wait to share with everybody. So welcome, Jolie. Hey, thanks for having me. So I'm super excited to have you on to the show today. And um, so where are we at uh, this this weekend? The boys have got a big game. Yeah, we played a night against the Souths, um, Rabbitohs. So uh, it's disappointing. I broke my arm against the Raiders uh, a few weeks ago, so... Uh, but if the boys win this, I'm a 50-50 to come back next week before the GF. So, um, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. So, Jolie, let's just drive straight into this today. So, yeah. tell us about you and your journey so far. Just a really quick real, little recap. I know yeah. for us, I've known you for a long time. Obviously, you yeah. and my beautiful brother, Joshy, played football yeah. together and um, down at the Raiders. And, um, yeah, so tell us about you, Jolie. Uh, well, my story, um, how long do we have? Can I just <laughs> go from the start? Yeah, go from the start. Uh, all right, sweet. So um, it started in a small town uh, called Ivanhoe. It's uh, far west New South Wales, quite remote, uh, population of 200, 250, uh, might be even less at the moment. Um, born there to me young uh, to a young mum, um, probably a mum that wasn't probably ready to bring me into the world at the time, so... Um, over the next 13, 14 years was, you know, just probably a mix of, of good times and, and some really, really difficult times that probably shaped me in a person in some ways that give me probably a lot of battles along the way, unfortunately. But, um, you know, a lot of moments um, through that childhood and have probably just that made me the person I am and has probably given me um, that passion to sort of give back in the community because, um, you know, growing up in those environments probably, it, it was, a, you know, I, I know how it felt for a lot of kids there and people that, that face the barriers and the and the and the tough times to overcome them and, and to get out of it. So um, it, it definitely gave me a passion. You know, I just I just I don't know I just when I started doing different stuff in the community, I just it just lit a fire inside me that you know wanted to do more and, and to give back. And I and that's how I come into the mindset project. But um, you know, taking my, taking it back to my childhood, it was just. A, a lot of different things that probably scarred me in moments that probably, you know, um, that probably I look back on, uh, you know, moments that will probably stick with me for, for a long time, you know, it was just uh, my identity I always felt like was challenged. I guess I was just always questioning who I was, you know, there was a time there where my name was actually Joel Murdoch um, going through school. And um, the reason from that is, you know, my mum's partner and, my brother's dad was um, a Murdoch and, you know, my name was Joel Murdoch. That's all I knew, that he was my dad. And, you know, it was a moment there where I was, I was told through a casual conversation that he's not actually my dad. And, um, you know, that, that probably ripped the uh, start to, you know, um, change the way I sort of view, viewed the world in a way and just who I was and, you know, um, you know, and just I always sort of didn't know who, who you know, just the true me and my identity, you know, have you have your whole life ripped away from you, you know, being called Joel Murdoch and having this whole family thinking that's your family and then not being and you know, feeling like you're not a part of it sort of 
was probably a moment I look back on. It was probably the first moment that sort of um, made me, I don't know, um, look at the world different in a way. Yeah. Um, and I guess living with my mum was 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 crazy. Um, I don't know, so many different times I could share with you and um, so different moments if, um, you know, I could go talk about. Um, but there's, again, some, some key moments I sort of I touch on. Um, you know, the moment my mum sort of told me that, you know, I'll be separated from my brother and um, I probably won't see him for a while. And she found a new partner who she'd been writing letters to from Junee Jail. And she took me out there to visit him. And I just, you know, it was just, um, you know, that feeling of, you know, the unknown. And I remember walking through uh, the visiting area and, um, you know, it wasn't where all the other normal population was. We went through to the box area, um, the window, um, you know, a, a private box area and sort of, um, straight away, I felt I felt scared and you know just the unknown of what's going on and um, you know and he got released and uh, we moved to a small place not far from Forbes, Condoglin. <laughs> Um You know, separated from my brother, I used to cry for him at night and you know, I always wished that he was with me. Um, but we moved to Condoglin with him when he got released and um, you know the cra- craziness continued. Uh, you know, my mum was diagnosed with bipolar and it sort of um, it sort of makes things a lot clearer for me through my childhood, seeing her mood swing. Um, the behaviours. And the behaviours and just the extreme, the extreme, you know, um, moods were crazy. And, um, you know, having been diagnosed myself, I, I sort of had that empathy and understanding and that. But um, it definitely did make, um, you know, there's, I'll, I'll talk about the 13, 14 years as I go on. But for that for that block of my, of my life, it sort of just... I don't know, it left some scars that I probably I didn't think I was going to have to deal with, but they sort of come back to haunt me in a way. Mm. Um, so we, sorry, I'll take you on this journey. <laughs> I'm trying to cut it down. Um, so we went to Condoblin. Um, the craziness did continue. Um, they started dealing dealing drugs. Um, you know, he was a regular drug user. Um, and just the craziness around that, you know, people knocking at the door all hours on my window and, just always having that me fight or flight switch on and off. I felt like yeah. you know, I was just always, I was always a nervous kid. Just don't know what was going to happen. happen next. Always, yeah. yeah, and just every time I put my head on a pillow, it wasn't a, a nice relaxing sleep. It was just always, I was always an edgy kid, um, you know. And for eleven, for a ten, eleven, and twelve year old, it, it was difficult. And you know, there was times I'd go to school with you know not the best sleep, or just things were happening in the house that I just couldn't you know block out or go so I wasn't a happy kid I was, I was quite a sad and angry kid in a way mm-hmm. um you know that environment um you know again witnessed a lot of stuff um you know the the, the house would get raided by police and I'd just run and you know scream thinking you know I'm gonna lose me mum and you know she's gonna get taken to jail and all those type of things and every all the other craziness that happens with you know dealing dealing drugs out of a house you know I probably witnessed and you know, the crazy car rides to Sydney to pick up stuff or just, just people ripping them off, just different moments I've sort of looked back on and um, I can't, I'll probably won't forget. Um, over that time, went back to my nan and I guess I'll speak about, we went, we moved back out to Ivanhoe um, after the house got raided the second time was, was probably time to move out of Condoba and it was, it was good for me because it was hard for me to make friends in a small town just because, um, you know, it was, you know, most of the kids knew who my mum and my 
uh, her partner were and what they were doing. And um, so, you know, I guess bullying in some way. Yeah. Um, you, you know, like, not to hang around probably. Yeah, exactly. That's what it, what it was. And, um, you know, I was sort of experiencing that and I was always a tough kid in some way. Like I always, you know, I'd use my fist to sort of always protect myself or, and that's the only way I sort of learned um, growing up. You had to do that. Um, so, but I wanted friends, of course, but I was sort of happy we moved. Uh, we moved back out to Ivanhoe, back to the beginning, in a way. Um, went out were there, there and were you there yeah, with so, your men? Were you jolly? Yeah, yeah. So we, I was. We had our own house, um, but there was one night it was quite violent at, at the house, and uh, I remember running to my nens um, to get her to, for help. I guess I remember running across, you know, to her place. It's a small town. There's only a couple of streets in it, but I remember just running and crying and thinking, you know, the night I was going to lose my mum, but, um, and just running to get some help. And I remember running across the bitumen and hitting bindies and there's all these glass and this stuff in my feet. And I was just running for me, for my mum's life in some way. And then I went there and I was probably a turning point in my life. And I was such a sad and angry kid in some way. I just didn't view the world as a, as a nice place. Um, um, but I guess things started turning. My then sort of took me in and, and me pop and they, she sort of just, you know, give me the love and, and care and different stuff that my mum did do. But, um, you know, it was just an environment where you just couldn't, it was just a, such a difficult place to live and grow up as a kid. And I uh, stayed at my nan and my mum moved away and sort of left me, I felt, um, at my nan's. And um, around that time, I met my real dad, um, which, you know, which was weird. It was, it was quite awkward, um, you know, to meet your real father at like 13 or 12, 13 it was. And, um, but he'd come into my life and, um, you know, I just always heard quite negative things when I found out that um, he was my father and I'm just, you know, different views. But, you know, when I got to know him and um, he was a local captain coach of the footy side and I, was the, I helped out the water boy and used to go around on the little mini bus and they used to just drink up and, and play music and it was just it was good memories um there and I think it helped build our relationship in some way mm -hmm. he had a he had a bit of a farm and used to go out there and muster goats and help out um on the on the farm and and just do that and I think it helped with our relationship and I sort of you know a, a forgiveness in some way um you know I just um for you know I just felt like he abandoned me when I when I found out that he was my real dad and he wasn't involved, I just felt like, you know, that sort of feeling, but I sort of a bit of understanding and um, everything and sort of moved on in that. And um, with his help um, and people and my nan's help, I got into a boarding school. Red and, band. You know, red band, yes, <laughs> the great red band. So, but even like around that 13, 12, I remember still doing, you know, everything that all my cousins or people around me was, you know, involved in different break, breaking into houses. And I remember this one moment when the police rocked up to my nan's house to come and um, take me and my cousin to, to do an interview down there for the houses. It doesn't, it's not hard police work for, for an Ivano copper. Um, <laughs> there's not many, there's not many youth to pick from, but, um, but we went down there and, there was this one house we broke into and stole this um, whip and uh, it was my nan's friend, an elderly man, and um, he was given that whip um, from his wife before she passed away and it absolutely the it, it ripped a hole through my nan and I remember how shattered she was and how upsetting and I just remember that moment and this is, again, I was talking about turning points and it was probably a moment that sort of just 
changed my whole the way of you know I just wanted to be a better person not mm. make someone feel like that and especially someone that took me in and you know and went without and made sure I had food to go to school and went without so I could have clothes and you know she made so many sacrifices for me you know um, and I just felt like it was a way to pay pay her back to turn my life around and you know, and after the, getting in trouble with the police, I sort of, it was one of those moments that I knew I wanted to do the right thing. And um, the right thing was probably for me to go to boarding school. And, um, you know, I was always back and forth moving around as well. You know, I'd go over the Gundy Guy to my step grandparents and, and stay with my brother and, and them. And they were such beautiful people. You know, I, I couldn't speak highly enough of them and spent some time in Gundy Guy, but I wasn't really, um, you know, I was playing footy here and there. And, but when I went to Red Bend, I was playing it consistently and I just felt, um, you know, I, I felt comfortable and I, not at the start, I, actually, not at the start, I felt comfortable. I felt like I was, you know, from a different planet going to a to a Catholic boarding school <laughs> where, um, you know, your tie had to be straight and your, your socks had to be pulled up. And, and there was rules. Uh, <laughs> there was all these rules and I never lived by rules in some way. If I didn't want to go to school, I'd just stay at home. If I just, you know, I just never had rules in my life and um, all the little discipline thing and, and the support there sort of helped, you know, change me and grow me as a person in some way at that young age and um, started playing footy and felt comfortable, you know, being, you know, challenged in footy. You know, there's times where I'd be challenged as a young kid and always put my back up and, you know, F them, F, you know, and just always never liked to be challenged. But I guess um, it was probably signs of me being growing as a person in some way. Um, and yeah, all the discipline, all the little discipline things just really helped me, making me better in the dormitory and, you know, just all, yeah, cleaning up the kitchen after, just all the little things really added up. Yeah. And, um, it was a turning point. I um, started playing footy and, and got picked up by the Melbourne Storm. Um, you know, it was, it was a big moment for me and my family and um, finished my schooling and, and had a dream of, you know, playing in the NRL and uh, finished me HSC. I won't share the results from that, but um, I went down to um, to Melbourne after uh, Aussie Schoolboys tour and um, went down to their full time squad and wow, got challenged big time out of my comfort zone. You know, yeah, Craig Craig Bellamy and all these guys. I watched them TV and um, you know I hadn't lifted weight. I didn't do weights correctly. I, I didn't really push myself fitness. And this little skinny fat kid from the bush um, down there in the in the full time squad. You know, I was probably the weakest, probably the unfittest, and I just sort of had that really resilient mindset where I just kept on getting, you know, knocked down and picking myself up. I think those early battles through my yeah. childhood and things that I overcome, I think really helped me in some way. And I, I look back at them for, for strength in times because I just didn't want to live that sort of life. And I knew that this was a way out for me. Um, and there was times where I rang my nan, I was like, nan, I want to come home. She goes, son, you're making me proud, stick it out. And those sort of phone calls really, really picked me up. And I'll give a quick example. I remember making, I pulled up from a line in a fitness drill, like probably five or 10 centimetres. And the strength and conditioner, Alex Corvo, spotted it and called the whistle and made the whole group redo it. And, um, you know, I had all these senior players and superstars spraying me. And it was, at that moment, I was just like, I'm up for this, but again, <laughs> you know, I, I picked myself up and, and just dust myself off and just kept my head down and, and, and got on with it. And um, around that period, uh, my mum, uh, she she moved to Canberra and she was she was um, you know going through some difficult times. And uh, my brothers, I had a few more brothers and sisters by then, and uh, I felt like it was my duty in some way to go back and help them. I just knew the environment they'd be they'd be living in. 
Um, went back and signed with the Canberra Raiders and uh, made my debut uh, at 19 against the Bulldogs. Played terrible, but now I made my <laughs> debut um, yeah. with your champion brother, Joshy Miller. And, um, you know, it was a, it was, it was a proud moment again. Um, you know, I had, had great guys to look up to. You know, your brother was definitely one of them and Alan Tung and all these great men that just worked super hard and, you know, were so professional and all the things that I really needed and all the values that I probably needed as a person. And, um, but again, I was quite wild. I was just yeah, uh, extremely wild. Those d- demons inside you, Joel. Yeah, 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 I did. I had I had those demons from my childhood, but I was just as I was just naturally. I am naturally a wild, wild type of type of uh, person. I just I knew um, I needed some help, but I just didn't know who to go to. You know, as a young male, as a young footballer, I just had that mentality, and I was brought up as being you know. Men don't show weakness. Men don't ask for help. You know, I was brought up by some um, some tough men, and and all the men in my life sort of were were tough men. Those, um, you know, you don't really share how you feel or you know what you're going through in some way. And I just didn't know how to shake um, these different things that happen. You know, different abuse and different uh, moments, uh, times. I just um, from my childhood, I couldn't shake them. I couldn't forget them. And I'd just lay on my pillow at night and just have these thoughts racing through my head and I'd just get no sleep. And then I'd just, you know, my moods would just swing, would just go you know, up and down and put on that mask and roll in the train and be the happy Joel and go home. And just, I was by myself, just, I know, I just really struggled, eh? Hey? And um, mm-hmm. over those years, um, you know, I partied, partied the house. I, I used to just drink and, and do whatever I, I could sort of just to know what was going on and what was happening. And, um, yeah, it sort of come back to, to hurt me. Um, you know, I got in trouble, I got stood down um, at one stage, got put in an assault charge and, and come back from that when that got dropped. And, um, yeah, I just over those years I just was just up and down. And, um, so, Jolie, what was, the, what was the turning point? We know that you, you know, you yeah. had, you know, had, yeah. you had a, um, a really rough childhood, you know, yeah. those things don't leave you. You've seen things yeah. that young boys shouldn't see and, mm. um, you know, but, you know, you still had that, that, that you know, that instinct in you that wanted to succeed. You wanted to make your men proud. You wanted to make your family proud. You were going to change the cycle for your life. You'd made that decision really deep down inside. But what was the turning point? Was it, you know, I know for me, I know your, your beautiful wife coming into your life, she's had such an impact. Um, she's a beautiful woman. Um, yeah. You know, what was the turning point? Was it, you know, I know that there was a breakdown probably around about, what was it, 2011? Um, yeah. What was, yeah. you know, what was that moment? What was the, the, the defining moment that made Joel Thompson just go, right, this stop, this cycle stops right here and now? Yeah, so... Um it was around 2011. Um, it, was, it was times there, it was, it was quite dark, I guess, in some way. It was just, I got quite low and I just didn't know, again, what to do. I didn't want to go and tell my mate Butsy or go and tell me Joshy. I just didn't want to put my my hurt or my issues onto anyone else and problems. I always had this um, mentality of like, I don't want to put this onto anyone else. I'll get through this myself. And do you, um, think, you know, think there was a little bit of shame there as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was massive shame because I just wanted to be this tough young footballer who wanted to prove himself to be a man. Like That's all I used to think. And I used to always think, you know, I knew I'll, I was just a different type of toughness. I just didn't know how to, to defeat these demons. I thought I would. I just honestly thought I would. I thought I'd go away. And um, and it was a, it was a breakdown um, around that 
time and uh, I remember just crying to my wife Amy and uh, she was my partner for a short period of time and she was there thinking what have I got myself into but I just remember um, breaking down to her and just telling her just opening up and crying and just letting it all out in some way and at that moment probably definitely oh it 100% saved my life it, it definitely did um because it was quite I was, I was quite low and just I just didn't know how much longer I would have went on for like going feeling like that and um that moment I broke down to Amy and and for her to go all right we're getting you help like and there's no doubt like you have to get help and you, there's no you're not saying no like you I'm going to take you to the place and and she did that. She took me to a lady and, um, you know, it was, it was hard to go and speak to a, to a counsellor. Like, I had to go to counselling for alcohol and drugs um, as a punishment for, for stuffing up at Raiders and I had to go and do a 10-week program, but I never took it serious. Like, I just went in there and got my name ticked off, so I'd done it. Um, so this time I went in there and just knew I needed the help and just opened up to this lady and, um, yeah, I had the tears rolling. I was like, oh, wow. I felt like a different person <laughs> in some way and, um, yeah, with her help and some planning and what I needed to do and put some self-care and some work into me and, and the healing. And um, yep. a big part of that was um, she recommended for me to give back, you know, to go out to help kids or go out and, and share my story and sort of or give me a bit more of a, a purpose. And, and instead of playing 80 minutes on, on the weekend, you know, it would be more, you know, because I was just playing footy, going out party. It was just a cycle. Cycle, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, I started volunteering with uh, Ken Nagus, ex-Raiders legend. Uh, went to the juvie and um, helped out there. And just my missus actually, Amy just rang around different organisations as well and see if I could volunteer. She just knew it was important for me to stick to what this lady wanted me to do. And, um, and, and you know, she got me into a place called Indigenous Leadership Centre where I just helped out, put, helped put programs together and, and just felt a part of something special and, um, you know, I just started just giving back. And I'll, I'll be honest, I've never really done too much community stuff before that. I didn't really have too much interest, to be honest. And um, Well, it's probably uh, something you probably didn't see, Jolie, through your life that you actually gave back to the community. I mean, your no. dad, dad definitely is a football coach or – but. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But, yeah, and just that, that feeling of contribution, you know, you would have stepped in and done your first when you went to that juvie and then, and then it felt good give you a yeah. great feeling and then yeah. it's just roll uh, obviously um you know rolled from there and you've started the mindset project and yeah tell us about that and um you know and what what the purpose is behind that and you know i mean yeah. the big future there isn't there like i mean mental yeah. health is huge especially in men um tell yeah. us about that yeah so i just went on a journey of you know trying to you know self-improve like just work really hard on myself and um, again, I had a few slip-ups here and there, you know, different uh, um, issues around alcohol and different issues, and I'd have to go and see specialists, go and see um, psychologists, and um, the Dragons made me go and see a psychiatrist, and um, I, the second time I was told by a specialist that I had bipolar, and, I'd, and it probably it just explained everything about me. You know, I'd have these extreme highs where I'd just feel absolutely bulletproof, where I could just you know, go for days and just felt invincible. No one could stop me. And I'd have these extreme moods and then I'd have extreme lows where I just didn't want to talk to anyone. Um, was quite negative. I just, I just explained everything. And I'd also always had a, a bad sort of, you know, I just wanted, didn't want to be labelled it, to be honest, because I knew my mum had it. And I just, 
it just brought back memories of just her not taking care of herself. I just didn't want to have that label. And um, so the second time I got diagnosed um, this, uh, with my wife and um, Ben Cray from the Dragons was in there with me and, and said that you know, it was probably the second time I, I owned it and I knew I had to own it because you know, by then I had a young daughter, Imogen, and I just knew for me to be a happy person, I had to take it serious and I had to work hard on myself and that's what I did. I just, over the years, just worked hard and tried to do whatever I could to improve as a person and, and to be as happy as I could. And um, all that knowledge I sort of got from professionals and people and books and podcasts, I sort of, I picked the best of that and put it into my own program because I worked with different groups and, you know, I just always felt like I'd like to put something together that I'd like to take out there and share with people and, and that's where the Mindset Project popped up. I was doing a lot of this stuff off the back. You know, I wasn't expecting anything from it. And this guy at uh, a juvie in Campbelltown said, mate, why don't you turn this into something that you can do post-football, you know, and get paid for it? And I, it wasn't a money thing, but it was more just, you know, thinking about post-football because I didn't really have any solid plan. So um, put together the mindset project. And again, I just, something that I developed and everything that I've done over those years, the last seven years, I've just kept everything and just, use what I think works and what I feel like is the best and, and, uh, and turn guess, into a bit of a, yep. And I, I guess the thing too, Joel, is that you've actually gone through, you know, you've actually gone through a lot of this, what, you know, the, the, the boys that you're trying to help, you've actually been through this, you can understand their pain, you can understand their shame, you can understand the guilt, all of the feelings that they have. Um, that it's actually, you know, it's not somebody just trying to get up there. You've actually gone through all this stuff and that's what I think makes such a big difference. You can understand where these young men are coming from and, you know, to be able to um, really inspire them and share your story, it's, you know, there's, this is your legacy and it's, it's you know, it's been lovely for me to watch because it's just to be able to see you transform yourself. I've, I know you as every, every part of you, Jolly, you know that I know that. Um, yeah. But to see you put your hand up and say, I need help, you've been able to encourage young men but also men that are surrounded by you to do the same thing. It is yeah. a big issue and it's, you know, for, for me this week we've had a, um, you know, the fourth boy in our hometown of Parks that's taken his home, own life around about 19 years of age. Um, you know, this is a big problem. It's a big problem. And I um, this week for me, uh, you know, we'd organised to do this podcast and, and I just thought, oh, my goodness, this is just, you know, especially this week, this, you know, this young man's from a beautiful family. A lot of these boys have drug issues, but they're too scared to tell their parents yeah. um, and they feel like there's no way out. And obviously um, you uh, had your beautiful friend, Joey Rose, who's been part of, you know, a good friend of your family who also yeah. took his own life and his family's obviously helping you um, with the wellness booklets. They've yeah. gone out to around about 300 men so far. Yeah. What, what, what can we do here? Like it seems to be something that's really you know, it's becoming a massive problem, Jolly, and yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's worrying. I've got two boys that are coming through and, 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 and I feel scared, you know, I feel really scared. Yeah, and it, it is it is a, t- it's a tough time at the moment and, um, you know, my heart breaks every time I hear something like that. You know, another young boy took his life and, um, you know, the, the, the Rose family, yeah, we lost young Joey um, last year and, uh, instead of flowers, they wanted donations and, and to do something more. And they knew the work I was doing around the mental health space. And um, I, I wanted, I was actually in the, 
thinking of putting a booklet out and sort of we sort of put a booklet together, which I feel like is important to go and do these workshops, but to leave them with something they can take home and and then the spread the net. You know, they're going home having conversations, putting that book at home that you know maybe their dad or the other little brother or their you know sister or someone can also have a look through. And uh, it's important for me to do that, and I feel like um, it starts by having these conversations and to make people, you know, people like me that, you know, you'd think, um, you know, just put my hand up and show them that, you know, I'm someone that went and got help and has turned my life around and come through the lowest of lows and, and there is a way out of it. And it's, it's starting those conversations and, and having environments, having house, you know, home, your home where you're comfortable having those conversations, making sure mum and dad are checking in on their, on their, children and, and having healthy conversations to check where they're at and if they need help and all, anything you know that they're there for them and um there's a big fight ahead um you know i i know that through all the communities around um around the mental health space you know at the moment i just my, i've got two younger brothers 16 identical twins they just got locked up as we spoke um probably last week as we speak so um and i know the battles they have and i try and put through all this but um, it's for the people that actually, you know, to want to get help as well and, and to make sure they're comfortable with, with the people around them to go to uh, to ask for help. And I think that's a big thing too, isn't it? Um, and, you know, both being from the country, there is that stigma of you sort of got to be tough. You never talk about your feelings. We don't know how to communicate with each other. And I just think, um, you know, someone like you that actually is from the country that's, you know, spreading the word. And, I mean, it's not, this isn't just a problem for kids that are troubled. This is this is a problem for all kids. Um, as I said to you, yeah. this, this boy was from, an, you know, a beautiful family, um, yeah. you know, and the thing is I don't think they take their own lives to take their own lives. It's to stop the pain. Yes, and, yes. And, um, you know, and if they just knew the devastation of what's left with our family. You know, I had my cousin that, that took her own life only three months yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, and it's just, just yeah, it's just like even for me now just sitting thinking about it just makes me feel, you know, like it just empty. is. Empty, yeah. Yeah. It is, just, it's an empty feeling. It's it's a hurt that you can't explain. I know just um, losing family members or, you know, friends, it's just, it's a it's an empty feeling, and then to know that I was I was I was quite close. I was you know I was at the lowest of lows, and uh, you know I got very lucky to have my wife that come into my life at that time and, and turn that around and make me go speak to someone. But it's just as as people, I think we need to get you know to break that stigma down. We need to speak and have these conversations and and to spread the message that it's okay, you know. And if you take them for coffee and you know they feel comfortable to have those conversations and. And not to feel like they're going to be judged or, you know, it's, they're going to be a, a lesser person for getting help. It's 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 important. That's why I feel like it's so important. The messages that I've received over the years and, you know, the inboxes and the people that have come up to me and just thank me for sharing my story for the NRL state of mind and the work that I've done and help them go on to speak to someone or help them get a friend or family member to get some helpers. Um, it's blown me away and it's probably given me that passion to continue this. You know, it's too hard for me to walk away from this type of work because I know how important it is when we continue to lose, you know, lives um, throughout the country and throughout Australia, you know, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And every time I hear another, another person has lost their life to suicide, it's, it just absolutely just breaks me heart. 
Mm. Well, it's just I'm just so proud. And you're actually up for the Ken Stephen Award. Um, yeah. And now you've won quite a few awards, Jolly. Can you tell me? I know that, you know, most years there's something for your community. What does winning these awards mean to you? And, and you know. Yeah, it's not so much me, I think. I Probably when I was younger, when I used to win the footy awards, I used to, you know, get a bit of confidence from it. But as I've gotten older, it's the, it's the bigger picture. It's the people around me. You know, it's, it's my wife. It's my friends. It's it's me nan. It's all these people that probably supported me and have always stayed in my life and, and have helped me. Um, you know, my wife's massive. You know, one day uh, I, I want to bring out a book one day and share the absolute truth of, you know, um, the last you know ten or so years, and especially the seven six years, the times that my wife's picked me up off the ground and and has dust, dusted me off, and um, you know one day I'd like to share the the full you know version of that and share her story. And as people like her that stuck by me, there's so many times that she probably or she should have probably left me, um, but she didn't. And um, you know it's a it's a um, sort of rec- um, what can I say? It's probably as much as a reward for her, you know, to get recognised and sort of these different stuff, um, you know, the help and support that she's gave me. And, I mean, you're completely surrounded by females these days, three daughters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a house full of girls, yeah. yeah how do you um, go with that, Jolly? <laughs> oh, she's challenging. Uh, they're always, you know, even Imogen, she's like, Dad, why are you so lazy? Like, help Mum. Like, so she's, she's already uh, uh, repeating already on that already. Yeah, I'm yeah. always on the back foot in this house, but no, nah, it's good. Again, it's changed me, you know. Do I ever think, you know, five, you know, you know, ten years ago that I'll be playing with Barbie dolls or doing colouring in or putting on dresses or be doing like it's just again, it's probably made me a better person in, yeah. in a big way. Um, it's just put a lot of perspective in my life, and it's just um, you know, it's a special feeling coming home and having your daughters run up to you and just feeling that love, and um, you know, it's, it's awesome, eh? No I mean, be, being a being a parent is just such a privilege, isn't it? It's just, um, yeah, and it changes it your life. It really does. And I think, and I think too, you know, what you've been through probably has made you probably be a better parent. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, because you, you know, you know, you look back and think, oh, you know, I want my kids to feel secure. I know for me, yeah. um, you know, everybody's got stuff they've got to deal through deal with throughout their childhood and you know none of us are perfect we're never going to be perfect but um you know we do the best that we can and you know being a parent is surely um it's it's probably one of the toughest things that you'll ever do but definitely the most rewarding and inspiring that you you know um that you'll do too and you know I've got three teenagers now so you could have said it any better like about what you just said about um it does make you it's it's challenging at times but the most rewarding um yeah that's probably sums it up perfect there's no better feeling and you know especially my little girl like Imogen she's started kindergarten and the way she reads just blows me away she's like doing you one reading and I just think wow like you put that love and time into your kids and, and watch them improve as, you know, as, as people and, um, you know, it's such a special feeling and a, and a great reward. Mm. So, Joel, you, you, you've just re-signed with Manly? Um, yes, I've agreed the terms. Uh, hasn't been announced yet, so this is people on here will probably hear it first. But, um, yeah, sorting it, it's pretty much done. Um, waiting for Manly to sign off on it, but... Looking forward to staying here. Um, you know, it was an opportunity to go overseas and to go over clubs. But um, I just, I just 
we feel really happy here in, on the Northern Beaches and um, it's a great club and, um, you know, it's been a good time this year and, and, and going forward and sacrificed a fair bit of co- bit of money um, to stay here. Um, but end of the day, you know, I just felt like um, I was happy to do that. Um, as you know, money, yeah, yeah, family happiness and just all the other things. I just measure my life on different metrics these days. And, you know, my family being happy means more to me than than to go overseas and make, you know, more money or go to another club. So I'm very happy uh, to be staying here, you know, Uh, good place. Yeah, yep. So, Jolie, just just got to ask you. So, tell me, would love to know uh, what's the best piece of advice that you've been given? Um, yeah, I, I think, um, investing in, into you, like invest time into, into you. I think, um, for me to go and help people, it's important for me to be happy and, and to be, um, you know, and be as, as happy and as, um, content as can be. And, and for me to do that, it's investing in me and it's, and mm. it's doing the things that, that make me you know, the person I am, you know, spending time with my family, playing footy, you know, catching up with mates, having a beer, all those things that sort of make life, um, you know, so special sort of um, is probably the best advice, you know, investing in myself and putting more time into myself. Oh, that's awesome. So what are some of the daily routines and habits that help you balance your life? Yeah, so I I don't have too many hobbies. I'm a terrible golfer. I can't fish, haven't got the patience (laughs) for fishing. Um, all these different things I've tried and I just haven't <laughs> enjoyed it to be honest. If I'm bad at something, I'll just, I can't stick with it. But um, for me, I, I, was, I, I started swimming at a rock pool um, down um, not far from my place and going for a swim in the ocean and, and going for coffee and having breakfast, reading the paper. I'd sort of do that most mornings. My wife gives me that um gives me that luxury. <laughs> She's a good woman, you know. She she lets me do that. It keeps me happy. So um she lets me do that so that's something i'll probably stick to that's my daily routine oh that's awesome so obviously living your best life is our podcast um and this is where we talk to extraordinary human beings to share their stories what does it mean to you living your best life yeah just to be at you know the happiest and 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 fun loving dad as i can be and husband you know be the best person i can for for my children there they're my life now and everything I do is for them and for my family. So um, that's my best life. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm staying at that, it keeps me so happy, you know, making sure they ha- they live in their best life as well. Exactly. So, Jolie, where would we, you know, for any of our listeners that might want to, you know, book you or yeah. where, where would people find you? Yeah, you can find me. I've got a website, uh, www.themindsetproject.com.au. Um, and also on Instagram, on, on Facebook, uh, The Mindset Project, or um, just get in contact there. Um, the next few months is, is quite hectic. I'll, I'll probably book myself up a bit too much. Uh, I've got a bit happening. But, um, you know, if I can fit in times or I can fit in around my schedule when we go back, um, you know, definitely happy to do that. But um, And then for anyone that needs a chat about, you know, any family members they're worried or please get in contact too. And I'm always happy to have a yarn or send out one of the booklets or, um, to help anyone that needs that. So um, that's important too. So um, if you're worried about a family member or a friend or yourself even, just get in contact. I'm always happy to have a chat. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I have to say, Jolie, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you know, we've been trying to line this up for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, 
it's probably yeah it's been, it's been really lovely and I've loved watching you you know you transform your life I love watching you actually become the man that you are today um and I'm just uh, just just it's just beautiful to watch I love that you and you and Joshy are such great friends you're like brothers um yeah, we, we are we so are lucky that we get to call you one of our family friends as well so I'm really just so grateful that you you know took the time out today to join me on um, my podcast and I can't wait to share, you know, what we've spoken about today because I think it's really, really important. So from my heart to yours, Jolie, thank you so very much for joining me. And um, oh, Thank you. Thanks so much, Beth. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. And always happy to help you guys out. You guys are like family to me, the Millers. Um, <laughs> um, so, again, thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome.